means go. Green means go. You can read upside down. Something they taught us in law school was a useful skill to learn to read upside reading down. Reading lips and reading upside down. So if you're across from somebody and they have a, uh-huh. you know, some secrets written on a piece of paper. Or uh, Uri Geller famously, or magicians famously, are able to read the top of, like if they're watching you write something, mm-hmm. they can figure, you know, yeah. there's a skill to that too. Right. Uh, welcome. I guess we're on. Welcome. Welcome right. to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat. I'm Mike. And welcome to another exciting week, a very special edition of Recovery in the Middle it's Ages. A Christmas edition. <laughs> it's a holiday. Yes. Um, visit us on Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, your good reviews will be read on the air. Your bad reviews will be deleted. Deleted and then mocked. 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 Privately. Uh, and, <laughs> yes. Visit our new website, middleagesrecovery.com, and tell us your story. Doesn't have to be the whole thing. You can just hit the highlights. Yeah. Or if you want to tell us the whole thing, just go for it. The other thing I did not include in this uh, outline is the fact that we had started like a blog slash some kind of writing component. And um, we, I think we posted it. I sent it to Utpal. I did not see it this morning. Uh, It's not up? Not up. Okay. So we will be publishing Mike's first story, sort of like a blog post. Um, Reminiscence, if you will. Right, so in the title, I should have had the title of the article, but it doesn't matter. Is there a title? You <laughs> Did I title it? I don't even It'll know. It'll be very exciting. Yeah. Um, housekeeping. Yeah, so how have you been doing this week? I mean, uh, you know, it's been pretty crazy. <laughs> Is that the housekeeping? Hey, yeah, housekeeping. Uh, housekeeping. That was our housekeeping, oh, and now it's update, update on life. Update on life. Right. Okay. Uh, I think we did the housekeeping. March well, is coming. your life was more interesting than mine this week. Why don't you, you know... Yeah. Go for it. What a nightmare. What a nightmare. So, yes. What's this for? I don't know. Is this I'm just pressing <laughs> buttons. Great. Um, uh, wah, 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 wah. And, watch, um, watch, uh, yeah. what, oops, I'm going the wrong thing. Watch uh, Apple Claws off for that. Anyway. <laughs> so, my son, Noah, um, who famously just like hates school on every level, he's the 10 year old teenager. Mm. I was talking to my wife about that this morning and she's in education and, um, and she said, it's, it's crazy. Like he's matching up all of like the bullet points of how like a teenage boy would act like, you know, and we're just trying to switch our thinking over from he's a little boy to, all right, we're, you know, we're dealing with like a little bit of some sarcastic, you know, he's just... I feel like he's getting cues from stuff he watches on YouTube. Oh, definitely. Um, I get the same deal with Ben. Uh, you know, I'm like, you're 10. It's like man. 10 going on, you know, a jaded 20. Yeah. yeah. It's bizarre. And I'm doing my best with it. You know, so like when I try and relate to him, like I, that's, you know, how I'm a parent. I try, I'm trying to relate. I'm trying to remember <laughs> when I was his age, what was I thinking? And you remember when you were 10? Because um, I have no fucking clue. I don't hundred. No, I like it's hard. Fifth grade. Like I, know, I, I try and think back. Really? I'm at I'm a like, hot fifth grade teacher. I think 10th grade. I can really remember and sort of relate to like the kid stuff. I have, you know, like probably everybody else, you know, flash memories and feelings right. and stuff right. like that. And then I just realized I'm like, I have to start trying to relate to what he's saying, do and doing by thinking back to when I was a little, you know, older than he is now. Mm. Like he's not, you know, ten year the ten year old I was. Yeah. Well kids are older now, like when it's they're weird. younger. It's, it's very strange. It is. It's all that freaking uh, TikTok. I think I think it know. has a lot to do with it. Because yeah. all of the entertainment, quote unquote, that's pointed at the kids, like my, even if it's not meant for them, that's what they're consuming. Is very different from the type of stuff that we were set up to consume, you know. Well, so, some of these guys though on YouTube who are like in their twenties are definitely Aiming their content at uh, younger kids. Like they have to know that's yeah. where their bread is buttered. Right. Which is know. very strange because I remember when I was 20, the last thing I ever thought about was how can I engage okay, an eight-year-old, y- yeah, <laughs> young children in anything that I'm doing. Because most of what I was doing when I was 20 was not anything most that people like that ended up in anywhere near. Yeah. You know? <laughs> most people like that ended up in jail. Yeah. If you were engaging with eight-year-olds <laughs> back in the 80s or catch- 90s, you know. <laughs> I was, you were on To Catch a Predator. Right. Um, right. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, but it's a business model now. If people make money doing this, you know, yes, a man. lot of money too. Someday I'll do. I mean, I'm watching these freaking. <laughs> yeah. Just I know this is an aside, but 
watching some of these YouTube guys. They're like these 20 year old like boneheads. And they're like, guess what? I just bought an island because I have like $20 million. I know. You know? Ten of my, the first 10 people to comment, get a Lamborghini. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? Crazy shit like that. I man. find myself logging on and commenting because I want the Lambo. <laughs> right. I'm never getting one, but no, I want no. it. You're never going to get it. No. And so my little 10 year old teenager, he, uh, decides, I mean, I, I could sense it because I get the kids ready and out the door in the morning. My wife mm-hmm. is out early. And so um, he, uh, he he just, like, he was tired. He was in, you know, he wasn't sick. He didn't have a fever, mm-hmm. but he really wasn't feeling his tummy hurt. Um, and uh, so I got him off to school, no problem. Got, got to uh, get to work. And I had a class because I'm still in college. Um, I haven't talked about that in a while, but I had a, cl- a Zoom class at 930. Nurse calls just while I am in class and says, you got to come pick him up. He's, his stomach, he's not feeling well. Uh, come get him. I'm like, oh, dear. F. Yeah. So that's how it all, my freaking week from hell got started. Well, bigger implications nowadays if you get go home from school sick. You can't. It's not like yeah. you just get like, to come back the next day. I'm like, no, you cannot F around with this. Not right now. And he's like, yeah. I really don't feel well. I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to, you know what? Let's, let's have a life experience. Let's go. You know, and um, he indeed, you know, had the guy said, we're going straight to the doctor. You need a COVID test, bud. He's like, oh, oh what? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no. Checkmate. You can't go back to school. You're with me now, which he likes. We, right. Which is something I got to work on. I want my son to not like me so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little too much getting in the weeds with him. Um, but... Uh, so he was, uh, he had to get this COVID test and I'm like, it's just, this is really, and he, you know, he cried, it made him cry because well, yeah, it's the stick no- that fucking thing, thing up your nose. Yeah. It's going to hurt. And, um, and I really tried not to be too like conciliatory, con, you know, like uh, comforting, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of looking at him. He's cry He's really right. crying. You know, he's not faking it. And, um, just rubbed his back and I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> um, now we wait. All right. Now the waiting begins. Let's go. And so I've had him the last couple. Today he's home because my wife is home for some reason. Um, and uh, he's, so he's not here with us today. That's but I've bad. had him. He'd be and, a good guest. I and think. so it's just been a comedy of errors every morning. Like one day, you know, um, I sent Max, my younger son, to school on like a 30 degree day with definitely not dressed night, you know, up for it. And he was extremely uncomfortable. I felt terrible. See, do you get shit from that, uh, for that from your wife? Yeah, 100%. I occasionally do. And I, frankly, I don't think it's warranted. I I, get shit when they don't match. And I'm like, I'm, for one, I'm colorblind. (laughs) You have an out on that one. I do not. Yes. Um, (laughs) I, I, frankly, I think Aaron's just sort of given up on me in terms of like (laughs) matching clothes. But, you know, they, they, you know, they, have no internal thermostats, so they wander outside. It's 30 degrees out, and they're wearing t-shirt and shorts. And, yeah. You know, my philosophy is like, you know, that's on you. Yeah. It's your body, your choice, son. You know, <laughs> that's, I do the same Enjoy, thing. Enjoy, you know. You want to freeze your ass off all day? Maybe tomorrow you put on a sweatshirt. And that's where, exactly. But, uh, I, I think that tough love sort of thing is sort of grating on uh, on Erin. You know, God yeah. bless her. She would love the well, kids to be to warm cons- and comfortable all the time. And I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I just take a different tactic, I guess. I don't know. There's a, uh, you want to control. You want the kid to do exactly what you freaking are screaming at them to do or saying yeah, to them. That doesn't, that I found with the oldest kid, that does not work one bit. No, 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 it doesn't. And so all week, so I've been doing my classes, which I have for the first four days of the week, which, and then he's, and I'm trying to get him going for, and so he's got a Chromebook, the school gives him a Chromebook. And then there's this laptop that I got him, which uh-huh. was awesome. And, um, and so I had that. And so we got to work and he's got to log on. And so for some reason, uh, yet to be determined, the laptop number one craps out. Like black Is it a new laptop? It's a new laptop. And That's I just annoying. had it updated and it's the black screen of death. And I couldn't even start it in safe mode and it's Windows 10 and I'm like F and I haven't done stuff like I used to do this for like a living. I was mm-hmm. the marketing guy in the IT department. So I had to do all the annoying stuff that IT guys you, do. If all you have is a black screen. You can't unplug it and replug it in right uh, short answer is no it's like you know start it and then f8 and then oh, yeah, safe, and safe mode, mode and yeah. then but I, 
It's like, in any case, it's right. just very annoying and frustrating. So, and then I said, okay, great. We'll use the Chromebook. And guess what? The plug wasn't here and it was running out of batteries. My class is going on. Oh, and then fun. a customer walks in and I'm like, so it's like that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's all over the place. And so I am just like, you know, I'm really maintaining my cool for the most part. I'm stomping around the store, just kind of being short with my son. And I was really, really working on not doing that. Mm. And, um, you know, if I felt like I got a little bit weird and nasty, like I immediately was like, ah, oh, sorry, man. And, you know, I'm just kind of stressed out. And he's like, oh, that's okay, Dan. And, um, and I ended up having to leave my class. Oh, did I leave my class? Uh, I don't remember, but I had. Is this the Moby Dick class? Um, it was one of, it was either that one or the, the crime guilt and atonement class. Oh, so I, I like that. I forget which one I'm doing at which time, but mm. he, so I'm like, all right, I got, I'm going to run. I said, you're in charge of the store. I left the store open and a 10 year old at the counter <laughs> and I, this is where I was at. I had my, I had to turn my class off, write a note to the professor. Uh, I had to drive back, you know, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, like, Oh, I'm, I'm thinking about a drink. Why it, it came to my mind. Um, and you know, and I was like, and I thought about it, you know, and I'm like, what would I like stop and get a, I'm like, what would I get? Like a chimney. I'm like, I've been thinking about chimney mm. since I saw my son brought Those that glass out Belgian the other day. Beers. He's like, what's this? <laughs> and then, um, but what was amazing was, um, and we were talking about this a little bit is that, uh, my inner addict, like the one that used to give me reasons to use, the one that used to jump right in and argue, you know, that mm -hmm. bad neighborhood they tell you about right. uh, in the program. is like, there's a bad neighborhood. You got to get out of it. That meaning your head. Right. Um, and what's miraculous is that my inner addict has recovered. <laughs> you know what I mean? And no. they talk you out of it. Oh, Okay. You know what I mean? So you were like able to get out of the neighborhood, so to speak. The neighborhood didn't want to see me. Right. I don't live there anymore. Yeah, that's you know good. What I mean? And the people who are talking to me in my head mm -hmm. uh, are, are like, no, what are you stupid? Like, that doesn't feel good. And that's not mm -hmm. going to help you. And all of those things popped right into my head. I'm like, I'm like, okay, fine. I'm like, I'll just get to the house. I'm not going to stop anywhere. I'm not going to drink. I'm not I went in and got the thing, got back in my car. Uh, I put on this naked mind in my ear, which is Annie Grace, kind of just talking about how brainwashed I am for thinking <laughs> that alcohol will do anything but screw me up. Do you have like a certain section queued up? I no, don't. Just, that, that book is great. You can just that, sort of drop in anywhere. You press play yeah. and because um, the whole thing is she's constantly beating on that, like about how you're you're just brainwashed if you think alcohol is going to be any good for you. you yeah. Yeah. I'm you, I'm going to be on that podcast. Did we ever mention that? No, I left that the to Snake you. The Mind podcast. Yeah, I uh, I actually was uh, trying to stalk Annie Grace to get her on our podcast, and uh, she's way too big for us. Well, that's it's funny because uh, I sent an email to her, what I thought was her, but she has people apparently mm -hmm. uh, who screen their the emails that come in, which. You know, unlike what we do. Yeah, my ten, <laughs> my ten year old reads my emails and responds sometimes. So, um, you know, I I laid out a very nice. Um, you think somebody's there? No. no. Uh, thank you. You know, for everything you've done for me, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, I have this little podcast, and you know, I gave her some stats and some numbers, and I got a response from her people saying, uh, you know, thank you for. <laughs> it was a really weird response. It was like, thank you for promoting this make it naked mind in your podcast. Annie typically appears on more established podcasts. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. But that was accompanied by an invitation to go on this naked mind. Which is amazing. It was to tell my story, um, on a zoom call with Annie Grace, uh, which will be happening in January. I'm not sure when it's going to end up, um, can, on the site. So can we record it and then release it separately. Um, on our feed or would that be I illegal? had to sign some weird disclosure yeah. but so I will look at that I wonder but uh, <laughs> I don't see right because then we could pretend that it's Annie on, <laughs> on I don't know you're podcast. the lawyer but that sounds pretty illegal to uh, me I don't know illegal is podcasting what is this no rules <laughs> is it unlawful or is it illegal do you know that joke 
It's, no. It's a horrible joke that my dad is used to tell. Is it about a sick bird or something? It is about a yeah, sick bird. You yeah. get the person to tell you what you think the difference is, and they right. go into all of this oh, ridiculous, you know, and uh -huh. you go, you know, yeah, that's true, and, you know, I studied law, is what you would mm -hmm. say, and what we get, you know, the answer it came to really is, you know, unlawful is against the law, and it breaks the law, and where uh, illegal is uh, simply just a sick bird. And then to watch the person's... <laughs> You know, I head right. fall when right. they realize they just yeah. sat there for ten Not minutes. Some deep legal parsing the, you know, yeah. <laughs> just a sick bird. <laughs> Sorry, that was just an aside from mm. my dad. Go on. So, um, so anyway, yeah, that so that was funny because so I wrote back and I said, well, yeah. uh, I said I usually um, typically appear on less established podcasts, and I <laughs> sent them a link to my our appearance on uh, oh, on yeah. Church and Other Drugs. So. Uh, yeah, she got a chuckle out of that, but apparently she went and listened to it because she really, yeah, because she gave me some said, oh, you good sense of humor, your story's very interesting, you know. At this point, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I guess it was enough not to disinvite me because I was a little concerned after they listened to that they'd be like, oh, this guy's yeah. a little, you know, self promotion because that's what we were doing, it, you know, right? But anyway, so you know, stay tuned for that. If any of you are still listening to this podcast at yeah. the end of January or beginning of February. Um, you know. Yeah. Also, you're speaking be... of church and other drugs, Jed, if you're out there, I know, <laughs> if you, I know if you're man, listening, I Jed, want, I, I, I don't know why uh, we're, tr I'm trying to figure out, I, I want Jed on the show so bad. Yeah. Maybe he's the, agreed fact that, to it. the fact that we record this on Friday mornings is not like the best you think? spot for people that have jobs. Imagine you know, that. Hey, yes, jobs. Jobs. Uh, can't wait to get Jed on um, once I get my shit together. But uh, Oof, that's a long wait, Nat. Yes. <laughs> hey. Yes. I'm so glad that's back. Nobody really cares. Yes. Thank you, Doctor yeah. Phil. Um, and so, speaking of Noah and and the kids becoming, you know, teenagers, he's he started um, talking about uh, asking me about what you know, gay. What's gay? What's bisexual? All oh, these, really? Noah and I are we're having these. Discussions. How, how does that come up? Something they learning in school, perhaps. So, uh, do they get sex ed now? I forget. I don't know. I think I think it's still health class in like the seventh grade where they talk to the girls. They start off telling yeah, yeah, about yeah. the changes. Then you watch the movie. And, the movie, yeah. you know, which right. is just they they just showed us Basic Instinct. You know, it was a public recently. School. It was a, oh. you know thirty years ago. <laughs> okay, yeah. And really. No, that's a joke. There's a better joke. Sorry. In there. <laughs> I'm sure there's a better Sorry, movie I, for that. There's a joke in there somewhere. I know. It's just, talk about meta. So, <laughs> so we, we, so he's asked me about. It. I'm like, you know, well, they hear about it, and we have, uh, you know, people in our family who are gay and married, and people we know that mm -hmm. are couples who are you know gay and it comes up on TV shows and it's all over the place now especially <laughs> it really is especially in Doctor Who you know yeah. it's just in the media because people are being more open about it and they're not worried about you know being blacklisted from Hollywood or yeah. whatever yeah, yeah. it's not as you know but um, and then so he goes on to say that two kids in his class are gay he's mm -hmm. in the fifth grade and um, <laughs> he says one of them is pansexual and one is bisexual huh and um i'm like what the hell i'm like all right i'm like that's interesting and we we're sort of talking about it and he asked me what the difference was uh and so pansexuals you have sex in a pan <laughs> well pansexual i said i think that means like you know you're just attracted to like you know human beings or hopefully just in the human species i think it's like whatever hmm. and i said whereas bisexual means that you want to have sex with a bicycle <laughs> And um, I had give my finger a workout today. The biggest laugh I've ever gotten from my son, and I've got him to laugh. But that man, he could not believe that joke. But um, once, I, and that was, I immediately wrote it down. I'm like, that's really good. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but we know we have very open, honest discussions. I'm like, you know, anytime it's come up, you know, I've made it clear to both of my children, you know, that you know you can have sex with whoever you want. You can have tons, <laughs> whoever you want to have sex, which is funny because, like, at this age, it's not sex. It's okay. like, you know, all of that kind of uh, playing house. You know, like mm -hmm. you know, they're forced to. You see little girls playing with babies, and they're eight, and they're making like you know the toy baby, and they're already in those roles, right? And, uh, Which is, you know, that's a whole other question as to whether I know I studied people that. should be in those roles. I uh, studied that in college, like early on in, in a class, and we talked about that. It's, it's interesting, you know, but... Um, you just reminded me, before I forget, because I will forget this, yeah. um, I, we, there was a class in law school. I did not take it, but several of my friends did, and mm -hmm. it was taught by this uh, professor who is a, a very um, big in the LGBT community, uh, and 
the class was very exciting and everybody wanted to take it because the first half of the <laughs> the first half of the class was about whether it was um, ethical to have sex with animals because, <laughs> because can they consent? You know, so it was. I've a, heard that. So it was before. a legal um, yeah. question. Um, That's so funny. which, yeah, I I didn't take the class. I don't know, but there was this whole thing apparently, and I had no idea this existed in the world, and and perhaps I, I'm kind of sad that I know it exists in the world. Uh, there's a whole group of people that have sex with dolphins. Were you aware of this? <laughs> what? That yeah. is not true. It is true. So and and thanks for all the fish. If you want to, if you want to, because dolphins will. Um, apparently are turned on by humans and will have sex with them. They do and yeah. are. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, and apparently that goes both ways. Um, so you, I, I will not put a link to any of that in the show notes. No, please don't. Because uh, then I'll get don't. some really weird advertisements. But yeah. you uh, folks who are interested in having sex with dolphins, maybe you should Google that and see. And I don't know. As my father would say, this conversation is deteriorating. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, it wasn't really great when it started. No, so. it wasn't. And so, um, to, to wrap up the, the, the sex talk with the kids, um, I'm, I'm approaching it just very carefully. I'm not trying, I'm trying not to be like overly like, oh, I can't believe you said that. Mm. I'm sort of just like trying to answer his questions in the most, you know, not necessarily clinical, but, uh, just to be like, yeah, it's, you know, this stuff it's okay to talk about these feelings and you know, yeah, some kids, even though you're not, they're not having sex or even kissing other, you still, they're starting to get their feelings and it's important to, to be supportive and not to judge them. Absolutely. And, and if for whatever, if you turn, you know, felt that way too, we'd love you no matter like just to make sure that there's never anything in the back of my kid's mind where they think, Oh, if I can't, be myself mm -hmm. um my dad won't love me or, no. you know and um it, that sounds like obvious to us but that's not like a lot of families right you know we, we've made it very clear to all the kids that we don't care uh who they get into a relationship with i mean you know yeah <laughs> uh Male, female, whatever. And, and it should be said because I just thought of something before we get a shit ton of angry emails from the LGBT community. I am not equating sex with animals with oh, sex yeah, with people. Yeah, no. Okay. That is not, not, was not my point. I, I rarely have a point. R rarely. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> wait, what? We, so we were just. I'm you sorry, threw me I, off with that. And I, I threw I myself so, off with that. Um, I had something very, very You're talking good about, to add to that. Oh, sorry, kids. And uh, we told we all our kids know about sex. Ben too knows what sex is because how else would he know? Like somebody should not be touching his wiener, right? Well, Unless he knew that. like what the whole thing was all about. Yeah, I always get a laugh. I say something like early on. I said, you know, it came up and he said, uh, when a mommy and a daddy love each right, other very <laughs> much. And, but now it's like a joke. And so right. I say that sometimes and both <laughs> my kids crack up. Max, my little one doesn't really know what he's talking about. My son's at that age where he's starting to know, understand and feel things. And is like, you know, when I like, you know, gotcha, I know what you're thinking. You know, right. I have been there mm -hmm. and it's, it's funny and you can laugh about it, you know, but, um, well, Ben always brings it up by saying something like, uh, you know, if he sees something on TV, he's like, you know, were they doing the sex? Doing like, the sex? I love it. It's so yeah, funny, it's man. Because he doesn't, you know, he has no idea but what it's all about, really. Yeah, you know. I mean, he knows, but, you know, it's like the difference between reading a menu and eating dinner, you know? Right. Like, he understands it intellectually. <laughs> but, uh, so that was that, and, uh, you know, more more fun. You know, tell us your stories about talking to your kids about sex. I think that's a hilarious yeah. situation. And right behind that is talking to your kids about drugs, which is a whole other show that we did not prepare for. No. Although um, Ben asked, did ask me about vaping. Right. So you took him shooting and stuff? It's not Ben. Him. He's only 10. I can't, he well, can't, we took them shooting. Shoot. Well, those, that, was, those was, that was BB guns. This is skeet. Which is bigger not, guns, shotguns, uh, twelve gauge skeet, not, not like early '90s rapper Skeet. Uh, was there I, that's, the word that Skeet cultural reference? Urban, yeah, right over my head. It's like uh, ejaculating. Skeet, Skeet. It was in rap videos. Oh. You, you didn't no, follow rap nothing. in the '90s. No, not really. Anyway, uh, moving on. Skeet, so, Skeet, Skeet. Yeah, my oldest son, um, who you know, I think I've mentioned on the in the beginning of this podcast. Oh. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Yes. Have a lovely day, asshole. <laughs> and we're back. Are we back? Oh. <laughs> okay, we're back. We Skeet shooting. Skeet shooting. Taking your, ch taking your children 
to the gun range. So, um, you know, I may have mentioned in the past um, that my, my oldest son, you know, we've had some communication issues and he was sort of drifting off into the world of things that we weren't really so pleased with. But uh, so we've been, he's been making a lot of progress lately in terms of, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's doing okay in school. He's kind of, you know, taking care of himself better and so on. So I figured, you know, I'd give him a day to play hooky and we could go and do some manly activity. Um, so we went out to this, uh, this gun range out East and hired a guy who's an instructor who, um, you know, had us, uh, taught us how to shoot clays, which was kind of interesting. Ooh, yeah. like where they launched the clay yeah. thing? Pull. That's so cool. Yeah, it was really neat. Uh, and he was really into it. And it's great. It made me feel really good because it's like the first thing we've done together as father and son in literally like a year and a half because he was, you know kind of off in his own trip and sure you know, he's going through his we journey got into some yeah. bad relationship patterns you know in terms of how we were relating to one another and mm-hmm. so that, you know made me feel really good and and you know my you know i always wanted to sort of get back into you know shooting stuff um <laughs> get back into shooting <laughs> stuff but you know I, I i never you know when the kids were young i never had you know guns in the house and plus you know when you're drinking a fair amount there's also this idea in the back of your head that maybe you shouldn't have guns around yeah. the house i was know? the same way yeah so uh i I've kind of feel like you know that this might be a good good space for us to occupy together and uh, do things together i'm you know i i it's weird because i typically tack pretty left in my politics except for you know this issue and um you know i, I don't know i don't know how what aaron feels about you know kind of getting involved in shooting stuff but um I don't know. So it's kind of a work in progress, but uh, it was a good day. We ended up having a good day. That's cool. Had good conversations out and back, and uh, I was just kind of pleased that that, that relationship developed along is developing. You know. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting. Uh, I've got I've got my work cut out for me with my kids getting up to that that age. You know, and um, it's sort of interesting that he's taken this. Uh, political interest lately, you know he's very he's, he's very really real, animated yeah by it, right? he's really it's really like you know he's he's the kind of kid where he has an interest and he'll just sort of lock into it you know and right. it, when it was young it was dinosaurs and it was like all <laughs> dinosaurs all the time and then for a while sadly it was like the pot culture that like sounds a lot like culture. me and my addictive oh, yeah? behavior that's interesting sure but like i'm the same way so we were like terrified that he was going to take this I don't want to call it an interest or obsession with like, you know, things involving marijuana and mm-hmm. like just sort of run with that all until it became like a problem that was, uh, you know, unsolvable. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that he has kind of put that aside and locked into this a new thing, conservative political thing, which, you know, I, you know, some of the stuff is a little, is a little out there, you know, he thinks mm-hmm. like, you know, that's theories about the IMF and the world bank resetting capitalism are going to result in worldwide socialism and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't really, I don't go for conspiracy theories so much. I know, you know, maybe, maybe you are more into conspiracy theories. I get the sense. I, I know about a lot of them. Yeah. I, I don't I, agree with, I just don't, them, uh, but so, but you know, also the other part of that conservative ideology is like the other day he asked me for, um, he's like, do you have grandma and grandpa's um, zip code? And I'm like, uh, why? He's like, I want to write them a thank you note for the gift card I received. And I'm what? like, what? <laughs> Who are you? And what have you done with my son? Because uh, so that, that was be- never like, but so I, I, I do a little Googling like conservative thought, young men, you know, and I come across this whole Jordan Peterson thing. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I'll, you know, no, no, I don't want to talk about it, but, right. <laughs> but that and this whole idea that, you know, you, you got to get your own house in order, your mm. mental house in order. And sure. it seems like that's the kind of the path he's going down. And Great. like, I'm thinking, fuck man, I'll send, I'll send Jordan Peterson and Donald Trump a fucking fruit basket, you know, yeah, if it man. gets this, pulls this kid out of, uh, out of that, like, you know, yeah, man. Well, that's the spiral thing. he was in, you know. Well, that's the thing with what's happened lately with, um, oh God, I don't want to make this political show, no, but I, just speaking generally, that um, there are good p- parts to, you know, left and right ideologies. What's problem is problem is when they get twisted, uh, just like religion, mm-hmm. you know, uh, con- conservative principles at their core are, are what when it's there's well meaning behind it, you know, 
are not evil. I mean, everything like both sides have made each other so evil. It, right. It's absurd, you know. And uh, and so after coming off of this red hot contentious um, election and all of that in the last four years of the you know where both sides were very vicious and you know it's maybe time to return to a time of more intellectual innocence and sort of like like what you're doing is you know you hear your son and you're like okay something about this you know, has really resonated with him. And, you know, you've been with him, you know, a long time, let's say, his yes, whole life. Even. Right. And um, and so maybe this is a chance for you to see, you know, a different side of the, uh, of, the of a different side of uh, thought. Uh, it, def- it definitely has, because uh, you know. I've been having very long, very intense conversations about a lot of this stuff. And while I can sort of drop aside the cons- the uh, conspiracy stuff, you know, it's definitely gotten me thinking about a, a few things. And, and that's... Well, and look how it's affected, even even if maybe, you know, if it's had this positive effect, you know, is it so bad? And this is almost like harm reduction. This is mm-hmm. almost sounding to me like harm reduction. Like maybe, you know, you're trying to get his focus into something where maybe you you viewed it differently before. And now you're kind of seeing like, OK, like what about this is, is redeeming? And, you know. Yeah. Well, and I'm also sort of. I'm not treating his ideas as ridiculous. Right, which is and so important with kids. Even though some of them, I think, are. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I, I try to find common ground. And this is what I used to do with, I, you know, I, the industry I work in, you know, um, you know, I work in like power generation and utilities. And there's a lot of Republicans and conservatives in that industry. And right. so for the last 13 years spending, you know, 12 hour days with people, you know, um, you, you talk about this stuff, Sure, and, you know, most normal sane people can have an, can have that kind of conversation yeah. there, but there is a polarization on either side that just make demonizes and dehumanizes the other side. And that's just so wrong in my opinion, but yeah, whatever. But that's I, a know. different show. Yeah, but I, I, I don't so want to go down yeah. that too far down that hole. Um, sorry, I have to start this again because I stopped it. And now it's not going to tell you any useful information. Fine. Um, 31 minutes. So, we, by the 30, way, that's fine. 31 okay. minutes. And, uh, and that's just great that you guys can, um, you had a chance to bond and, uh, and it's just a great opportunity. I mean, a lot of these opportunities that are coming up with our family, good and bad are because of this, uh, COVID and because of, uh, what COVID we're going through. It's a good thing. No, it, well, COVID has been very, very good to me. I mean, I don't have to go to New Jersey every day. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's a it's an act of nature, you know. And um, I'm trying to make the most of it. And I'll get into that in another show about what's going on with the business here. Obviously, I'm in the retail business, and um, yeah, that's very tough. It's yeah, and and a lot of people are going. We're not alone, you know what I mean. But the um, hopefully we see that the the vaccine is coming. Mm. Uh, everyone sees it on TV and, um, you know, I haven't heard anything uh, from the addiction community as far, you know, we were seeing numbers and they all look terrible. People killing themselves with, um, opiate overdoses, relapses, everybody in recovery Mm -hmm. knows of someone who has relapsed, uh, if not died, uh, in this, you know, so, and some of us are finding a new way, just like, uh, you know, there's new rules in the world today and this vaccine um, just may be the thing um, to to get everybody back, you know. Just have to convince everybody t- to take it. Yeah, and it's amazing in the, in the addiction community. You you get if you post on Facebook and you see people what they're posting. Um, this the anti vaccination um, crowd, so to speak. Um, and uh, I'm not. I like. I'm vaccinating my children. Um, I think for me, that's you know important. And you mean it, like regularly? Not d- like we're not talking about the COVID vaccine. Not yet. Right. Okay. Right. So we're we're yes. we vaccinate our children. I don't judge people who decide not to do that. Mm. Um, that's do you, on, do you on not? them? <laughs> Uh, I do a little bit. I try not to. I try to understand and respect where they're coming from. Um, and if if they want to take their children out of school for, to homeschool because they don't want to be oh, forced to vaccinate. Sure, that's fine. Great. You know, and I'm, and I'm sorry that, you know, this it, it, it doesn't get along with their beliefs, right? And and especially coming from addicts, because uh, you hear a lot of people talking about the side effects and well, what 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 are the long term side effects, and we don't know, and it looks safe, but meanwhile, with that pill you found on the ground, what, 
<laughs> well, that's did okay. you ever ask your dealer like, well, hold on, buddy, yeah. you know, what, what could happen to me here? Because is it because you feel like you already know mm. or, or maybe, you know, you feel like, ah, I know it's bad, but like no, nobody who's t- even from your doctor, your doctor prescribes you lisinopril for your blood pressure. I don't think I once sat down and was like, well, how is this going to affect me long term? Really? Um, yeah. Man, I always really. ask that. Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't even like to take Advil, I, but. You know, I would smoke anything I found. You know. uh, I'm very laissez-faire <laughs> about that stuff. I put a lot of, and probably maybe my, my trust is definitely misplaced because I, I think to myself, you know, and this got a lot of people in trouble with opiates. I'm like, if my doctor prescribed it, but really with the yeah. lisinopril, I look at it like my that's dad, a, dad's that, been taking it for 20 years. I've, that's a, like a, that's a point you shouldn't just blip by. Right. right? Because so many I of these opiates came out of doctor's offices. So mm-hmm. many people who got, got into those handcuffs, right. uh, got there because they pulled a muscle in their back and it, because, you know, the pharmaceutical reps, uh, were, were, you know, throwing these pills at the doctors, right. taking them on uh, all expense paid vacations to uh, the Caribbean. And, and the doctors were just writing these scripts and they yeah. kept writing and writing and writing. Yeah. I've watched a lot of documentaries about what happened and it's, it's I, I, people are not furious yeah. enough. If you ask me at the, at the no. drug companies and the medical uh, establishment that they're was paying money, enabling this like Johnson and Johnson is paying money. And, and are they paying money to people that lost their, their livelihoods through addiction? Are they, are they paying to, people's rent are they buying no this money where's this money going i don't i have no it's going into the state coffers where it's just going to get fucking burned doing something else it's a good question how about direct payments to people who are suffering i don't know what they're doing i know that they at least presented the settlement like it was going to do that right of course because that's so that's more fucking pr and spin from the drug company but what actually happened with that you know, and we have to check on that. That'd be interesting to see, you know, how is that? <laughs> Sorry, I just, yeah. I get very mad about this because so many fucking people had their lives destroyed, yeah. you know, by, yeah. you know, getting, getting How about all the businesses done. that, yeah. because their employees were too fucked up to and had to pay for, you know, like the cost, the addiction to opiate medication, forget the heroin users, yeah. or how about the people who entered through that? Uh, the cost to our economy. Well, so many of the people that even. ended up with the heroin started with, with that because they they couldn't afford an $80 oxy pill, so yeah. they, but a $5 bag, you know? You know, I, I was listening to a couple of memoirs lately, and I heard um, a, a couple of the books said something or like about like when people came back from Vietnam mm-hmm. uh, who were using heroin, a very, according to, and I wish I had written my sources down, I apologize, but- I've heard this before. I know what you're saying. they did not yes. become addicts. Right. And the question is so interesting. And the question is why? Like if, if, if it's supposed to be, you know, this, the, the way we perceive it to be this, you know, grabs onto you and everybody, ne- nobody gets away from it. Okay, then like, what happened in that scenario? Like, why didn't these guys, is it because some people believe they came back to a completely different, you know, life? They weren't, right? you know, so they had their wife and their some kids. Some sense the geographic cure can work in some instances. Yeah, and of course there's always Lieutenant Dan's, right, right, who are just alcoholics. And, you know, of course people have PTSD and they suffer and there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But apparently the numbers such as they are show that, um, it it doesn't even remotely equate with today and right. the way people try, you know, opiates and, 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 and so why is that? Probably acceptance by the medical community to start on them for one. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, I guess when you're in Vietnam and you're, you're in the shit, so to speak, uh, and you're taking a shot of morphine, even if you're not injured and you sort of like, that's a very different scenario than, um, Dr. Smith, you know, Every time stringing you, you along pills, for, for yeah, 10 years. Exactly. And then all of a sudden the laws change and you're like, sorry, mm-hmm. then what do you do? Right. <laughs> what most people do. Yeah, they just go buy heroin. Don't you think it's interesting how easy it was for the, those people to just like find heroin who are coming from like a normal well, life situation. It, it, all of a sudden they're getting it's heroin. It's funny you should, it's funny you should say that because there is another another book that I read and, and I forget the name, but apparently there was this town in Mexico um, that just sort of cornered the market on black tar heroin distribution in the United States. And they specifically catered to that group of people who they, they were just cut. They were looking for their pills. Right. So they, yeah. they saw the market, they developed that market and they made themselves available. You could just call on the phone. Somebody delivered to your house. It was it's a different kind of client yep. until it isn't until those people are, 
Right. You know, yeah. lead them down. That's so, so crazy, you know, man. That's, I mean, that's capitalism, right? Markets come up and, and, you know, needs, needs come up, needs are met, you know, supply and demand, all that. Um, yeah, it's a business. Uh, it, it reminds me of, I was watching this documentary about this company called Halo. Uh, they are private military um, kidnapping remediation company paramilitary it's like oh they'll they'll go down there and you get pinched in mexico city or something they'll you're you're a stockbroker or something yeah. visiting in mexico you get kidnapped and mm-hmm. this team halo you hire them it's you end up owing them millions of dollars or so. i mean it's like an expensive thing to do well you, they go you can in get kidnapping insurance that'll pay for that it, and, and what they said on this i think it was a nat geo national geographic documentary i saw a few years old the guy the Halo representative said, listen, kidnapping is a growth industry. Mm-hmm. And that just sent sh- chills down my spine. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's an industry, you know, to put, it's crazy. It's just so crazy to think about. Um, but, you know, move, uh, we've got to move on because we have a big show. Um, and I think we were talking about how I thought about drinking and how I didn't do it. And, uh, and we were talking and you said you had a similar experience. Yeah. I did. For the first time in a long time, I, I getting these niggling little, gee, I'd love to have a glass of wine right now. And it really came to the fore. I was out getting sushi with Aaron and I was sitting in a, a restaurant that you have been to as well. Mm-hmm. We've discussed. Yes. And uh, it's a very sort of swanky vibe in there. Mm. You know, they get the, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. the lights and the, you know, the. It's really you nice. Know, it's got like the whole vibe. Can't you know? believe you're on Long Island. Exactly. But, uh, you know, the, the view that we had from where we were sitting was of the bar. Basically we were sitting in a booth facing the bar and, and the TVs, the TVs were distracting. They were on Fox News. The fresh fish are out and and, and fresh fish in the crushed ice. Well, no, that's the sushi bar. Right. We were facing the liquor bar. Oh, you're on that side? On that side. Okay. Right. So, um, so I'm watching all of the drinks being made and going out. And I'm like, you know, this, I, I look inside this sort of semi-private room and there's like eight or nine guys at a table. Yeah. And, you know, the guy's bringing out a tray of like, you know, glasses of beer and sake bombs. So they were mm-hmm. so- doing sake bombs. And I watched like five or six of those go in there. And I was like, <laughs> rather than being like annoyed and repulsed, which is like my has been my go-to recently. I was kind of like, damn, I wish I was like hanging out with a bunch of guys doing sake bombs. <laughs> and it kind of surprised me because I knew, I, first of all, I didn't, I don't like sake bombs. And, uh, <laughs> no, I don't even know what a sake bomb is. Well, it's, it's like a boiler maker, but it's like a glass of beer and you get a shot oh. of sake and you drop it in the beer and then you go. Yeah. There was a Guinness drink like that. I can't remember what it was called. Guinness bomb or something. More right. Clever. Well, it was a shot of Jameson's dropped into a Guinness. And it was called a, uh, well, there's a word for it. Isn't that a sidecar, really? Maybe. Yeah. Sidecar used gin, I thought. Anyway. I don't, I don't remember. I didn't do it. I just went straight to that. Link in the so. show notes. Uh, yeah. No. So, you know, I don't know. But what I realized, I guess, was not, you know, because I, I have the the distance that uh, from the drinking that I can sort of, you know, not just play the tape forward, which is, you know, a bit of a, um, you know, some people, people say, say that, that all the, the time. Yeah. Um, it's a dead metaphor. Old too, saw, no tape. dead metaphor, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. There's no tape um, anymore. Play the MP3 it's forward. <laughs> it's not even. It's not even that anymore. Stream it. <laughs> Stream it forward. Mind link. Stream it forward. Yeah, we'll play that it. When we finish. What I did that always uh, worked for me is call call my not to, to call it out to tell on myself in a way. Yeah, I, I mentioned it to Aaron. When we were sitting there, but but what I did was I thought um, I sort of thought it through and what, and I realized, and this is, this is something I get out of this naked mind a lot is that, uh, what I'm, what I'm really wanting is not the alcohol or the effect the alcohol is going to give me. It's that feeling of conviviality mm. and, uh, camaraderie with a bunch of guys sitting around doing sake bombs, you know, and yes. is there a way to get that same feeling, you know, without doing something that I would regret the next morning? I think the answer we both know is yes. Yes. But that, that's that question that right. you have to have answered before you walk in mm-hmm. to that restaurant. I have a funny story. Yeah, I didn't have an answer because I didn't know it was going to be a question. Well, there you go. So, but I have my toolbox in my head. Yeah. And that was the tool that I applied to that situation was, uh, you know, what are you, what are you really looking to get out of that? Right. You like, w- what is your benefit? What so is you're it? not going to get the relaxation and the, all that shit. You're just going to get like 
sick yeah. and and that's that inner and, voice your your right. inner addict who has recovered that's right. right that's people it people talk about that inner addict and the person trying to convince you yourself and then mm-hmm. if that person could be on your side man right. look out yeah. look out everybody um, that's right you know i called it out i i was having a very when i got back and things were just really kind of rough but i was you know, and on top of it all, like business is trash and I'm stressed mm. out and my classes and I'm coming up, you know, papers and just like everything, man. And I haven't eaten and <laughs> dealing with my son and really working on being like nice and supportive and, you know, not overreacting. And, you know, just it sounds like you got maybe too much on your plate right now. I got a bit going on. Um, and miraculously, sometimes I think, man, how the hell did I fit in meeting up with a guy? <laughs> and the answer is I didn't. Right. I just didn't do a lot of the right. things I was should have been doing. Or since my wife or whatever my business circumstances were, were so bad that it didn't require anything of me. So, you know, now that I'm, I can do things now. I am the people pleaser that I am. I'm mm-hmm. saying yes. I'm saying yes. Well, that's, that's the thing. You know, I say yes to everything, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's bad. It you is. can't say yes to that. And uh, that screwed me a long time because, you know, I said yes when, you know, I'd been sober three months, six months, one month, and I get that text, you know. Right. Yo, what's up? It's your boy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, if you don't have firmly drawn boundaries, that one's going to get through the fence, you yeah. know. And that took me a long time. A hole in the fence. That, that was one of the last things that I had to overcome maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I was falling for that or three, maybe, you know, I used to really like, that was my last thing. Cause there's nobody in my life, to, you know, it's just these people who I don't see, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't have my number except this one fucking guy. And it drives <laughs> me nuts because I know he will show up if I don't like once in a while I'll be like, no man, leave me alone, please. That's so crazy that you still have any sort of relationship with any of those people. I just don't like, want him to show up at my store. And yeah. if I change my number again, he will show up and be like, what's your, I just don't want this person in my life. And I really, don't want to get involved with the police. You know, no, some people like, just call the police. I'm like, are you fucking crazy? Yeah, no. guy knows where I live. Not, I mean, like, I don't know. Not that I, sorry. I not I'm that sorry. I fear. Do you need something? No, my back hurts, and I am untangling oh. my mic so I can stand up and walk around like uh, the Middle Ages. Richard Dawson on Family Feud. <laughs> yeah, we are in the Middle Ages, and um, I don't know. And the the next thing thing we were going to talk about was identifying with the addiction community. Which oh, I know yeah. we're running long, but I, I want to talk about this a little bit because this is something I, I've I've talked about, I think about, and um, it's on my mind. Um, and you wrote that though, didn't you? I did. Okay, I did. so why don't you tell me what you were thinking? Well, it, you know, social media being what it is, you know, the Facebook algorithm will feed you things that it thinks that you need to see. Um, and if you've not watched the movie The Social Dilemma on Netflix, I highly recommend it because it shows you exactly how that uh, works. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Snapping some photos for the scrapbook. Nice. Um, you know, how, how, they, how they take it and target, target you and feed you things and keep you wrapped up in that little world. So uh, go watch that if you haven't watched it. Anyway, so, but my feed lately, it's been very weird. It's been like 90%... Um, dopey nation and addiction groups and everything. And I'm like, I don't feel like I've, you know, been doing much Googling about this stuff or, mm-hmm. or like wallowing. And it, and it, the other days just started to annoy me that I'm like, why am I, why do I have to constantly see shit about drugs and yeah. drinking and people talking about drinking and people doing drugs? And I'm like, I fucking can't stand it. Like, right. I just want to shut it all off because, yeah. you know, it's, I, you're trying to leave that behind you, but right. then on the other hand, my my mind is saying to me, "Well, you you have a fucking podcast where you talk about it. Right. You think about it for hours a week, sure. you know. So clearly, it's there's a reason you're doing that. It's filling some need yes. that you have, while at the same time, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah, Can exactly. you identify with that? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Especially when I got done with all of my legal obligations, re, you know, for recovery. Um, as far as going to, like, once I got done with that and I relatively felt free of my compulsive addiction Mm -hmm. to drugs, I just, I haven't wanted to go back. And then COVID hit. Right. I'm like, fucking perfect. (laughs) Like, in a positive way. And let me tell you, I did great the first six months of COVID as far as cravings, using, like, 
thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like I was listening to addiction memoirs, recovery podcasts. I was interacting with people on Facebook groups. I was talking about it and, um, I was being open with my family. I was focusing on getting the kids through and, um, and only now, uh, am I starting to feel like I really want to, um, get myself back into those AA communities a little bit more. Really? So you're going the other way. Yeah. I feel like I've shunned it long enough. Mm. Um, and part of me knows that there is a very beneficial part to, um, to those, to AA groups and a groups, um, along with all the stuff that is kind of bullshit that pisses us off that the bad experiences I've had, I feel like the, the benefits have outweighed the, um, the uh, the benefits have outweighed the, the negatives in a lot of in a lot of ways, and and I'm still not even sure that's exactly how I feel about it. Right, it sort of vacillates. You know, some days I'm like, f these people, I don't want anything to do with these people, and and then some days I'm like, when I hear other people on podcasts talk about their AA their program and all of that, I get a little like envious. I'm like, man, hmm. um, I kind of wanted that in my life. I kind of wanted that, like, you know. Uh, all of that. And, um, and my wife and I both agree, like doing the podcast is, is filling a lot of that void. Right. You know, and it's part of the genius uh, of of the Alcoholics Anonymous um, model, how it all started is one addict talking to another. And yes. when you boil it down to that most basic thing, which is really the spirit of, um, of AA and 12 step. I think that is very positive and it's exactly what's going on right now, you know, without all of the bullshit that came later and they're like, how can we package this and spread this? And right. a lot of bullshit builds up, you know? So, so there's that part of it. There's the personally I'm working on my recovery part of it. And then there's, there's the other stuff where it's almost like it's a hobby to like interact with other people who are into all this, you know, like, like you're really into like the dopey, uh, the group with like the books and, you know, dopey reads. And like, I wonder like, and I, I've been listening to a fair, do you need to? Yeah. I, this is the school. Oh, let me just quickly (laughs) hold on. Hello. So, you know, I'm just looking and thinking that maybe what I want to do is, is not so much hang out like in the recovery community and, and listen to, an endless stream of people's stories. Yeah. But when I really would like to think about something else for a change. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, so I get it, you know, there's different ways, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and I listen to AA guys who are, you know, have 40 years and I'm like, they're still like spending like 20 hours a week on this. And I'm like, fuck man, like, that's not, I don't want to, I don't want that to be my like old age. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. But you know, just, different strokes for different folks though. You know, I, um, I just don't know if that's helpful to continuously well, live it, in that it world. It must be helpful to some people. Some people. Um, so I regret to inform everyone yeah. that anyway. in the spirit of Murphy's Law, because I could talk about that for hours. Right. We should do another we should, show on that. We should, um, but we gotta. In the spirit of Murphy's Law, I got a call from the elementary school, and my youngest son got hit in the face with something, and his nose is bleeding, it's swollen, Um I have to pick him up. You should go pick him up. I got to go pick him up. Okay. So we're back. The family issue has been dealt with. I realized I cannot do this podcast speaking into a microphone by myself without you sitting across from me. So yeah, uh, I made a a great attempt at uh, trying to finish up solo, but yeah, sorry about that guys. This (laughs) Murphy's law is Murphy had better luck. Um, Walt Frazier used to say that as the Knicks announcer. Um, the important thing is everybody's okay, right? Everybody's okay. Max is the cutest little boy you've ever seen. He's blue eyes, brown hair, little button nose. and um, Two in, eyes made out of coal. Yeah. <laughs> his, uh, he was in a gym class. He's six. And uh, they're playing with these plastic, from what I understand, they call them scoopers. But what they don't know is it's from a game called High Lie. Oh, yeah. Popular in, uh, what, Mil- South America? Or Milford, Connecticut, where you used to be able Brazil. to go bet on the games. It's the fastest game in the world. Yes. And the ball travels hundreds of miles an hour right. through these things. And they, it reminds me of, I always think about Tron. Uh, oh yeah, you know remember the right. light thing. I'm yeah. a huge fan of Tron right here. I mean, anything that you put in the hands of a six-year-old becomes a weapon. It is, and and so the nurse, who's actually a, a good friend of ours, and she's a great customer, and she's local, 
and uh, she's the school nurse, and so she, you know, called me, and she loves Max, and it's always sad to see him so upset, yes. but he's fine, and Christina's home, and she was very apologetic. What was she apologetic for? She's very apologetic because she's home today. Um, oh. With right. Noah, who's still on his uh, sick days, or waiting for the answer on the COVID test, which I know is negative, and... Um, but she was on a Google Meet with her school because she's doing parent-teacher today because her district is cleaning the building and blah, 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 blah. And she was very nice to say, oh, I'm so sorry. And of course, I understand it. I'm not angry. Um, yeah. I, I'm just know. dumb. But I, I've do, noticed with my wife, though, that she tends to get the texts that come from her friends always. Yeah. Texts that come from, from me, me, perhaps is, a little longer to respond She said, why didn't you text me? Why didn't you text me? I, I should have <laughs> said, I did text you. But, um, you know, it's fine and um, I'm back and no, uh, Max is fine. Good. And I'm not mad and I am taking this all in stride. I did not stop at the liquor store. And I'm just breathing because <laughs> I've got a big night ahead of me. I'm actually speaking at the Dopey Speaker Tapes tonight. Oh, yeah. And I have to come up right. with some kind of thing to say that doesn't sound like a stream of consciousness mishmash of what I come up with on the spot because that's right. what the show is for. Yes. <laughs> that's what we're doing here. So we should, you should tape that and we could release that as a yeah. episode. Yeah. I, I don't, don't know, know what the I don't know if that's okay. legality think, is of that. <laughs> I think other people share on it. It's sort of like a, an AA speaker meeting. Um, so probably can't publish it, but maybe just the speaker part. Yeah. Um, so what were we up to when I was I so rudely interrupted by kinda, my screaming child who was well, injured? We're at 55 minutes. So, um, did we do this week in weird? No, we didn't even do, um, recovering the, recovering news. the news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tried, uh, recording this when you were gone and, uh, there's no one singing the ditty. It wasn't the same. <laughs> It really was, uh, I realized what a failure I am as a solo <laughs> podcast. You're like, I could do this myself. I had my own podcast, bro. I'm like, all right, good. I have faith. I have faith. I have faith. I don't know. It's funny. I was trying to, I was tripping over myself because I only read this article once and, you know, I'm trying to pull it up on the phone while I'm recording. Yes. You know, anyway, it comes from the, um, the well-known publication, BenefitNews.com. Mm. I don't know. I got <laughs> one of those Google things. The household name. Sends me in alerts. Kazakhstan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when an addiction is mentioned in the internet somewhere, yes. I get a... I get a you email. get an alert. Yeah. So this one from BenefitNews.com, uh, the title of the article is Drunk and High at Work, Employers Confront a New Addiction Crisis. Oh, I have so many high and drunk at work stories. <laughs> well, you are probably like the protagonist here, um, Adam Jablin, a successful business owner, entrepreneur, and new father to a six-month-old baby girl who also happened to be a functional alcoholic who relied on a cocktail of prescription drugs and opioids to get through his workday. Does that sound familiar? Yes. It does. It could be about me. And poor uh, poor Jablin kind of throws his wife under the bus here. He, he does. Uh, did you see that? He's like, I always loved drinking and I was always a heavy drinker, but my wife hated my drinking. So that got me into Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't go around, you know, peddling that, that story. Like, I wonder if they're still married. Anyway, uh, his addiction quickly snowballed after waking up at 5 a.m. He would take a ephedrine to get oh, up shoot. and going to get to the gym. I never the liked ephedrine. Um so he'd go to the gym, and then after a morning of doing his VP of operations for manufacturing, he would take several prescription painkillers and more Xanax before heading home, stopping on the way to buy beer and other alcohol. Yeah. And then at night, um, his family would go to sleep, he would drink, and then he would take a bunch of Ambien to go to sleep. Um, I would just, if any of you have had experience with Ambien, I would like to hear some of those stories because I used to take Ambien when I had uh, insomnia. And, uh, yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, um, there were times where I would take it, and if I would stay awake or it wouldn't be working, things would get very, very weird. And mm -hmm. um, I don't know. There, are I've come to find out there are people who party Ambien, yeah. and um, they'll force themselves to stay awake when they take it. You trip, right? I, yeah, That's but like I never really understood because. It's uh, it's like an amnesia drug. Like yeah. you don't really remember what you're doing, so it helps to have like somebody with you. But there's a, there's a great <laughs> subreddit called Ambient Walrus because I guess people see the Ambient Walrus <laughs> when they get high. It's like I guess it's the little DMT guys. You I know? Get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's it's a it's a great subreddit because it's everybody's ambient stories. Most of them are like. 
I took Ambien. I stayed up. I was playing video games. The next thing I knew, I woke up in a ditch yeah. uh, covered in eggs. You know, <laughs> crazy <laughs> stories are like people yeah. would build bonfires in their living room and stuff. And Yeah, that's like um, Tiger Woods was blaming Ambien. Right. Well, it became fashionable he's to blame like, Ambien for a he's while. He's like, I woke up one day and realized that I had slept with uh, 217-year-olds. <laughs> like, <laughs> what happened? I mean... Blacked uh, out. You can only you can only throw that stuff so far. But um, wow. anyway, Mr. Jablin, I guess, did not have such a big ambient problem, but he had other problems. You know, his yeah. dr- his drug use made him appear energetic and happy to his coworkers. Yeah, which you know that's nice. Energetic and happy while inside you're you're dying and crying and depressed. Um, so um, yeah, I can commiserate. You know, like my wife's reaction to me being a, a an ad, a terrible, horrible addict definitely caused me to take more and extra drugs. Like, <laughs> I, is that that's right. that sort of roundabout way of blaming others yeah. for your, you know, yeah, I, depth you know, of your I'm, maybe he didn't mean it that way. She should have just accepted it and bought me more. Yeah, she should. If she'd been, only stopped pestering me about my drinking, I never would have become addicted drinking. to benzo. <laughs> Squarely at the feet of my wife, whom I love and is cool. She is cool. Cool. So is Aaron. Yeah. Very she's, cool. They're both the best. Yeah. Putting up with knuckleheads like us. Recovery in the new. Oh, are we done? I don't know. Are you? <laughs> I was going to talk about EAP programs and how people- Go on. Because, you know, this guy worked for himself, but uh, a right. lot of other people like work, like myself, work for other people. And, you know- a lot of companies have these EAP programs, employee assistance programs. Oh man, yeah, I've, but I've only met so many yeah. in in the yeah, yeah, absolutely. But very few people yeah. actually take advantage of them. That's a union thing, right? No, I mean no. we have one at, okay. at my, my my company. So like a, a big a corporation in general might have that. Yeah, I met if a lot of guys. If you have a drug problem, you should call up, and then they'll. The guys in the trades, know. the railroad locally, right. is huge for that. Like, um, I met so many former. Or current LIRR employees, mm. like I had um, therapists that were former, like they're everywhere. Right. Um, and uh, so they take care of their own also with the trades. The yes. Pipe fitters, steel pipe fitters union. I've met guys from the bricklayers. They're interesting people. Uh, I got to know them. So, some of the... Some of the professions, I think it's maybe more acceptable to avail yourself of that available help. Um, yeah. I know in certain white collar professions, if you go into HR and say that you are struggling with drugs and alcohol, um, maybe on paper there's an EAP program, but in reality, uh, you could very easily jeopardize your employment by admitting to that. And mm-hmm. um, and that's a problem. The stigma is that we've discussed in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a problem. It seems, but you're right. I feel like the, the guys that I met and that I've seen talk, because I'm, I'm trying to remember the documentary that I was watching where they had the head guy of EAP who was a former addict himself who was mm-hmm. in the union. It was it was like a trade union type of thing. Talking about how, you know, um, it's still hard to break through the veneer of the, the tough guy. A lot yes. of those guys are younger. Some right. of them are old and grizzled. And so the few that have push through to get recovered in that who are just like them. Now they run those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that it's, there was a lot of them. I mean, when you put someone in a position, you're in a union, probably signed a, a, some kind of contract. I've never been in a union. I don't know, but right. I assume there's a contract and you're paying into the union and they say, Hey, sure. We'll protect you. You, you don't get fired, but listen, you gotta go. I mean, the cops unions like that. My buddy, yeah, my um, a good friend Joe. Um, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have said that. I think we you want to call him something else. Uh, sorry, Joey. Um, <laughs> I don't think he cares if we know he's a police officer. Um, yeah, just don't you know give out a social security and, number or and, identifying details. And jo- Joey, I call him Joey, but I think he goes by Joe for the past thirty years. But I knew him as Joey when we were five, <laughs> so I still call him Joey. But um. He's been listening to the show a lot and uh, he, he always will, he, he's been contributing like on this and uh, he comes up with stuff. I'm like, oh, that's good. And I, I keep meaning to like, there's a bunch of stuff he brought up that I want to talk about in the next show. Okay. Uh, we're just running so long right now. But yeah. as far as he, and, and so part of his, his journey um, was through that, you know, and so mm-hmm. those trades and the unions, they're all, um, you know, working towards getting those people, even if it's a threat of losing your job, sometimes that's what you need. Yeah. Exactly. So more people should be threatened, you know, like that, and also be offered simultaneously, simultaneously, uh, a chance at recovery and, and have it be paid. 
Yes, uh, yes. You, maybe the threat is a, a good thing. It's it's a motivator. But should people actually lose their jobs over it? I I would think. I don't not, know. You, it depends I on the circumstances. That's a whole other show. Anyway, we're running along. <laughs> That's the end of that. There we go. Recovering in the news. So that brings us to this week in weird. Yes. You're hitting your sound cues this Thank week. You. Mystery monolith removers revealed. This is from a previous story. I don't know if we did it on the show, but... Oh, we did it. We did it. And so, in fact, I went through this whole long explanation of what you're about to read because yeah. you, you put very little information in there. I did, because I plan on vamping, you <laughs> <Okay>. know? Uh, <laughs> and so people saw, saw this in the news lately. It was mainstream news. This isn't just crazy news because... Some people uh, put this, we talked, yeah, that's right, we did talk about it. It looked like the, the obelisk, the monolith. Nobody knew who it was. One day it disappeared. Well, the question of who removed the mysterious monolith found in Utah late last month has been answered as a pair of individuals have stepped forward to take credit for bringing down the odd object. Stop right there. Gun. What, is there any other information in that paragraph about those two individuals? Um... Or does it just rehash the old story? Oh, maybe I need to read the rest of it. <laughs> because uh, I could not find it. I don't know. I'm thinking like, were they were they credible? Did they actually do they it? They showed pictures. They did. They did. Okay. Uh, in the article, they show pictures of the two gentlemen um, who had taken it down. And then they explain um, what it was that they did. I am so ill-prepared So for did this. they... They're not the ones that put it in, though, were they? Um, they did put it in. They did? Here we go. I got the story. Okay, okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is why I'll never work for a real news organization here. Um, the no details. one ever mistake this for a real news organization. No, they don't, because it's all fake news, as we know, right? He <laughs> he. <laughs> all right. The initial report from a witness on the scene described the group of four individuals toppling the monolith this past evening, telling the observer, quote, this is why you don't leave trash in the desert, unquote. They subsequently dismantled the object and carted it away in a wheelbarrow. The disappearance of the monolith was later confirmed by Bureau of Land Management, who indicated that it was not their doing. Hmm. Um, fortunately, those wondering who was behind the monolith's disappearance did not have to wait very long for answers, as two of the four individuals, outdoor enthusiasts, Sylvan Christensen and Andy Lewis, announced that they were responsible for its removal. In explaining why they took down the piece, Christensen explained that the revelation of the odd object's location led to swarms of people flocking to the site, which was not designed for such a sizable number of visitors. As such, they opted to remove the monolith to prevent what would have been an overwhelming amount of ongoing foot traffic in the area, degrading the otherwise pristine natural landscape. Um, so they were environmentalists of a sort. but I don't know if that means that they put it in. I don't think it's it the ones that put it in. Interesting. Yeah. I should probably do more research on the things I'm reading as news. Um, so if you guys have some answers out there for that one, we'd appreciate it. And um, This Week in Weird. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, this week for your patience. Um, have a lovely day, asshole. <laughs> That's a keeper. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, tweet us a twat, you twit. Uh, the incomparable, lovely, and talented Erin Moore, hopefully still running our uh, Twitter. i got to catch up with her. And uh, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Do all that. How about when this is over, we go do a little coke? Middleagesrecovery.com. Submit your story. And as we say, non proficiat. Perfectum. Progress, not perfection. Have a great week, guys. See you next time. Be good. Bye.